Aren't you thankful for peace in the midst of the storm? Amen. I suppose that if you all are like me, you'd just soon skip the storm. <laughs> but we don't have that option, do we? But I'm thankful we can have the option to know the one to whom the storms has to listen to. Amen. I don't re- know if I will get the quote exactly right, but the hymn, Be Still My Soul, one of my favorite lines from that hymn, says that the wind and waves still know the voice of him that ruled them while below. And uh, I'm thankful that we know him and that he can calm our storm. But if he chooses not to calm our storm, that he can calm us. He can calm us. Appreciated that good song tonight. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I have to confess, I really struggled to get the mind of the Lord tonight. And uh, I suppose you think it'd be just easy. Just We've been preaching through 1 Thessalonians. We'll just, just keep going with what you're doing. But um, sometimes, sometimes the Lord uh, makes that a little clearer than he did this uh, today, and um, but yet I feel like the Lord has laid this upon our heart, and we're going to do, endeavor to do our best. I invite you to stand for uh, the reading of God's Word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll pick up our reading in verse 12, and we're going to finish out the chapter. You pray for me and maybe yourselves. I'm going to try to preach all these verses to finish this out, and uh, it only took me four weeks to get through 11 verses in the Psalms on Wednesdays. So uh, that's all right. If, if we're here till midnight, you didn't have anywhere better to go, did you? <laughs> we'll, try to be, we'll try to be reasonable. Verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, we thank you for the testimonies we've heard, the songs that we've sung, and and also the special that we were blessed to just be ministered uh, by and to. We just ask that you would again help us. Father, you know that there's probably probably 20 uh, sermons in here, and we're going to try to preach one. We're going to need your help. We ask that you would help us this evening to say what needs to be said not to weary the people, but help us, Lord, as we prepare our hearts for the upcoming revival. 
We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I was intending to ask this before Sister Rasmussen gave her testimony, so I'm going to do it anyways. I wonder what you're making. So, Sister Rasmussen, can you tell us what you're making? You can't tell us. It's a surprise. All right. I'll take that. Anyone else making something? Sister Bonnie, are you making a quilt? When aren't you making a quilt? Well, I'm so excited. Sister Bonnie's making a quilt. Well, John, anything in your workshop right now? Anything you're working on? Oh, get back to work, brother. <laughs> Who else is working on something right now? Oh, <laughs> yes. And we can't wait till that bun is, is ready to come out of the oven. <laughs> yes, we're, she is working on something, working on something real important. And uh, she, now she's not allowed for the baby to come this week during revival. That's that we've already established that, and she can't have the baby while we're in Oregon either. So, so she's got about two or three days that she, two days that she can get it in here, uh, or she's just gonna have to wait until we get back. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else working on something? Sister Vaughn, you working on something on flowers, decorating things in, down in your basement? Are you working on something? Oh, that's exciting. That is exciting. Working on a, uh, on a dollhouse for the grandkids. I'm sure the girls are excited. Do they know about it? Oh, it's a surprise. Oh, I love these surprises. This is exciting. Someone else working on something. Who? Who? So, oh, gr oh, Grandma! What? What we got, Grandma? <laughs> oh, an Afghan! Oh, wow! That's. It, oh, you've seen it. Parts of it. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Sister, uh, are you? I've got fingers pointed at you. Are you making something? Yeah, are you working on something? What's that? Lots of things. You want to tell us one or two? Lot. Oh wow, that's exciting. Brother Bob, what about you? Are you got? Are you painting? You got any projects you're working on? That's a crime. You got to get your paints back out. You do a good job with that. Got to get that out. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else? I've had to pick on it. You guys haven't been volunteering too much, but maybe that's because I'm impatient. Brother Vaughn? Income tax. Income tax. <laughs> Brother, we don't swear in church. <laughs> oh. Well, this was good until we got to Brother Vaughn. <laughs> uh, Sister Jennifer, are you working on something? You have always got some projects going. What are you working on? All of it done? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's probably taking a lot out of you. Nothing right now. All right. Anyone else? I don't, don't want to. I, I know we've got all sorts of artsy people. What? Reagan's working on something? What you working on, Reagan? You working on a birdhouse? That's awesome. I hope, we, I hope you bring it in and show us when you get it done. That'd be all right? We'd like to see that. 
You have to let it dry. That would be good. We, I don't want paint on my suit. <laughs> That's great. Anyone else working on a project? Alex, you got the house all the way you want it? No, what you working on? What's what's the current project? Oh, that's. Oh, <laughs> uh, you gotta get that plumber back. You gotta get his rates down, though. <laughs> maybe you can get. Maybe you can pray in a coupon like Sister Rasmussen does. <laughs> Wasn't that good? You know, I one of the things that that really as as church folk. Sometimes we, we don't take these times to just realize what each other's doing. We, all of us are busy with work or children or grandchildren or school and just we've all got busy things. But it's just kind of neat as I think about the art that's in this, in this church, just the giftedness, whether it's music or whether it's painting or quilting or uh, uh, Afghan making, I don't know, do you crochet that thing? Yeah, you crochet it. All these things are beautiful, beautiful works of art. And you know, building and art, any, our art, we become, it is a really, truly, it's a gift of God. It helps us to be like him because he is the creator. He is the creator. And, uh, and I, I hope that all of us try to create something on occasion. On occasion, uh, all of us have something that, that we invest in in that way. I think it helps us to connect to the Lord. Now, what does that have to do with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? Paul is finishing out his first epistle to the church there, and he doesn't know that he's going to write another one. He's in danger of losing his life at any time. He doesn't know when death is going to come calling. He's already had it rough. And he's written this letter. And you know, I, I, I kind of was thinking about how those times that you're speaking to someone for what could be the last time. Brother Tucker on Sunday night of this coming week will speak to us for what may be the last time that some of us will ever hear him. And I know that, especially for revival time or, or other times when it feels like it's the last time that I have an opportunity to speak to somebody, you really want to say something that's going to be meaningful and important. And for Paul, he ends the first letter, the first epistle to the church at Thessalonica, with a desire for those people and for us this evening to be building, to be making. And the first thing that he says is build up people. Build up others. Build them up. And the first ones that he says to build up is, well, the leaders. Now, this is difficult to talk about, and I'm not going to spend long here. I don't have any sad things to say about being a pastor. You know, I hear some, some say, you know, if you can be anything other than, a be, uh, than to be a preacher, do that. But it, only if you can't do anything else, be a preacher. And I understand what they're saying, but I'll t be honest with you. If I had my 
life to live over a hundred times, I'd be being a pastor every single time. I really would. And uh, I won't cry any tears of sorrow if the Lord calls every one of my children into the ministry. It's not a rough way. It's not a bad way. I'm not saying every day it's sunshine and butterflies and rainbows. There's some days that it's pretty stormy and some days are kind of miserable. But if we're honest, every job has that. Every job has that. But you know, being a leader isn't always easy. In, our, in the United States, they've been able to do the research, and they say that pastor's rate of depression is twice that of the national average. And I thank God that I don't struggle with depression. <laughs> I'm just, I just want you to know that I'm encouraged. But there are some days that I get discouraged. Not depressed, but I get discouraged. And there are times. There's t- some times that, that uh, I'll go home after a message, and I'll say... Well, that was the worst thing to come out of my mouth since the last sermon. (laughs) Not too long ago, I I said, wow, that sounded a lot better in my head than it did coming out. (laughs) And it happens. It happens. Sometimes we get a little discouraged. Sometimes someone will say something, and they don't mean to. They don't mean it, but they say something, and it just, I don't know, just catches you the wrong way. And you know they didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And sometimes they did mean to hurt your feelings. (laughs) Never here. Never here. And Paul is saying to to the church, not just the church of Thessalonica, but the church of Altamont, be an encouragement to your leaders. Be an encouragement. And you are. I don't have to preach this. And and, uh, the only reason I'm preaching is because it's here. We're going to get out of here real quick. But be an encouragement. Not only are you supposed to be an encouragement to your leaders, but he says be an encouragement to each other. Have peace among yourselves. Nothing worse than than brothers and sisters in the Lord who are fussing and feuding and fighting. I just never understood that. If we are brothers and sisters in Christ, why do we have to fight over? Well, they're, they, they believe differently than I do. So what? <laughs> I've got two beautiful daughters. And you know that they are as different as night and day. Eliana wants to wear the prettiest dresses that she can. She would wear a prom dress to church every Sunday if we'd let her. <laughs> she would. She, she, ha, she uh, has a, uh, an outfit, I think, that she wore to a wedding or something, uh, in a wedding, and she wants to wear that every Sunday. And her mom has to say, we don't wear that kind of stuff to church. <laughs> now, Kelsey, getting her into Sunday dress is a chore. She asked me this morning, she, she got on a jean skirt and a, and a sweater, and she said, can I wear this to church today? And I said, no. <laughs> she goes, I don't want to wear a dress. And so her mom was able to find her a skirt and a shirt that looked nice so that she could wear that this morning. But she doesn't want the, the pretty dress. She wants, she wants to, to wear the casual clothes. 
Eliana wants bows in her hair. Kelsey hates bows. She doesn't want bows in her hair. Now, I don't know how they're, why they're so different. I don't know who, uh, how that works. Same parents, same upbringing, same pretty much everything, but one wants bows and the other doesn't. One wants pretty dresses and the other one wants jean skirts. But they're sisters, still the same. So why would we fuss among ourselves because we've got differences? We're supposed to have differences. I don't want anybody just like me. That would be scary. Break the mold, please. I'm, Jimmy, I'm going to let that one slide because I, I just feel that way. I, w I don't want anyone just like me. Sometimes I drive myself crazy. I'm, go I'm glad God broke the mold when he made me. And you might be feeling the same way. But why, why would we fuss over somebody who feels a little differently about it, uh, something than we do? Now, listen, I understand some things are heaven and hell issues. I get that. But you know, just because a person is believes... In, a, in something that just really, just we just scratch our heads and say, I don't know how you can believe that and be a Christian. We just have to leave that with the Lord. I have a classmate who is Presbyterian and is in complete harmony with uh, people, uh, homosexuals being uh, ministers. Has complete harmony with that, believes that that's fine. What you might be surprised is he is one of my closest friends in the classmate. Not because I agree with him. I strongly and vehemently disagree with him. He knows where I stand, and uh, I know where he stands. But you know what? I, I don't have to have an issue with him. I don't have to break fellowship with him because he's not right on that issue. I think I can say that pretty strongly. I think I can take that from saying. But you know, there's sometimes we fuss and feud over things that we don't, we can't say for sure we're right. We just can't say for sure we're right. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge sometimes in a church where people all have different views about what's right and what's wrong. You know, one of the best things you can say is, if you can get to heaven and believe in that, we'll walk arm in arm together. And if I'm wrong, I hope the Lord shows me. And if you're wrong, I'm going to pray the Lord will show you. But, but until he shows one or the other, let's just walk in harmony and agreement. And yes, I think some things are pretty strong. I feel pretty strongly about... Uh, homosexuals in the, in the ministry. I feel pretty strongly that they don't belong there. Very strongly. But that doesn't mean that, that I have to, to reject the person. How am I supposed to ever show him a different way if I can't have a relationship with him? If I can't be his friend? One of the things that 
about this friend of mine that is, that is also true is that of all my classmates, he is the most self-sacrificing, the most Christ-like in a lot of ways. If there's a task to be done, he's the first one up to do it. If there's someone in need, he's the first to volunteer to help. Of all my classmates, he's the very, very first. And I've said to him often, I said, Scott, you are so Christ-like, and over and over I see that in you. And that's, I want to be like that. Do I agree with his position? No. But I agree with his spirit. I agree with his spirit. Can you get to heaven believing the way he believes? Well, we teach that if we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And if he's walking in all the light, if he's walking in all the truth he knows, I believe he can make it. But I don't think I could believe that and make it. And there's the difference. Oftentimes we get into, you know, we, uh, different of our young people especially, but, but even sometimes the older ones, and we, you know, we, they're going to heaven. Why do we got to do all this stuff to go to heaven? Well, we've got light. We've got light that they don't have. That doesn't mean we're better than them. It doesn't mean that we're more spiritual than them. It doesn't even mean that we're more Christ-like than them. It just means that we have light that they don't have. And it's a dangerous thing to back up on light because they're going to heaven so we can back up and do what they're doing because if they're going to heaven, then we can do that and go to heaven too. That's not the way it is. We walk in the light God gives us, not the light that someone else does or doesn't have. Our light, our walk. And if we could hold on to that truth, I think we would do a whole lot better. And if we could communicate that with our young people, I think we'd keep more of them. If we would understand it isn't about, it isn't about being right or wrong, it's about walking in all the light we have. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven who had bad theology. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven who had what we would consider bad standards. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven who we probably wouldn't let in. Not many of us would have had the thief on the cross in. I mean, he didn't walk in any standards. He got saved without any clothes on. He died with no clothes on. I don't mean to be crass. I'm just, he, did, he did not have any standards. He wasn't walking in the light. He didn't, he didn't suddenly put on a more modest robe. He didn't go get a haircut if he needed one. He didn't tell anybody about Jesus. He won no one to the Lord. He didn't have any good works to his name. And yet, he still went to paradise. He walked in all the light he had. What was the light he had? This man here is innocent, and I'm guilty. That's what he said. 
When you come into your kingdom, remember me. He didn't confess his sins. He didn't do all the things that, that people say are necessary. He didn't, he didn't even get baptized or take communion. <laughs> he didn't do anything except ask the Lord to remember him. And folks, why are we, so why would we fuss if someone's not living the way we think they ought to live? Now, that moves us right into the second part, or the third thought, and this building up others is build up the weak. And the first one he says is warn them that are unruly. Those that are not living right need a warning. They need the light. Now, I'm not a light bringer, and you're not a light bringer. The Holy Spirit is the light bringer. Something I had to learn early in my ministry is just because I preached it doesn't mean that the individual got light on it. I won't say who it was, but he's sitting over in this general area here who told me that before he gets home, he forgets what I preach. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, that's an encouragement to the pastor. So I know I can't put light on that person's path because they forgot all the light I gave them. That <laughs> I was praying about it, and the Lord said that I need to preach a little longer, and they'll remember. So I'm going to start. No, <laughs> you know what? Though it's right to warn those that are. That are not living right. But we better have the right spirit when we do it. Better have the right spirit. And I'll say this, and this is probably the most important part of it. If you tell someone that they're not living right, you better be in a position to receive the same warning. If you can say to someone, brother, you're not walking in all the light. You're, you're backing up on some things. Or, you, you know, the scriptures teach such and such and, and you're not there yet. Concerned about you. You better be able to hear it when someone else or even if that person says. Because a lot of times people get defensive and they'll say, well, you're doing such and such. And if you hear that, and it's, and it's right, you need to be able to receive it. It's a dangerous thing to warn somebody that they're wrong. It can hurt relationships. But it might, it might put a mirror on your own life. We're, Paul commands us to warn. We're supposed to be building up those that are unruly. We're supposed to be helping them by warning them, but we have to do it in a humble way and in such a spirit that we can receive light if we're, if we're needing correction. He says, comfort the feeble-minded. I get Tua here. I got leaders and I got feeble-minded. I'm doing real good tonight. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's a sad 
thing in our history and even in our present, the way that we treat people who have, have uh, mental health issues. It's a sad thing. In times past, we would lock them up and forget them. And, it's, and that's just heartbreaking. But you know also, even today, mental health issues are not something that we can talk about very much inside the church. When's the last time someone has been able to say, pray for me, my bipolar's been acting up this week? I hope this is a church where someone could say that. Please pray for me. My, my mental health medications need to be changed this week, and I'm concerned about it. The doctor says he's putting, on, put me, uh, putting me on something that may have some adverse side effects. We don't talk about mental health issues, do we? You know, one of the things that really um, surprises me, and, 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 and maybe it shouldn't, but it, it does, is, you know, we're, we're, the numbers keep changing, but about one in 75 or so babies that are born are born with autism. Well, we go to camp meeting, we go to different churches, and how rare do we see a family come in with a child with autism? I wonder if they feel welcome. We have a command right here in Scripture to comfort the feeble-minded. And I suppose perhaps some of these that would have these mental health illnesses, whether it's depression or whether it's, whether it's something else, I suppose they probably wouldn't like the word feeble-minded, but we have to remember King James is a very, very old language. And so I don't mean to bring shame to those that have mental health illnesses, but... And you know, we need to be careful. We need to be careful about what we say. One sister got up and testified, this just happened last week in her church. She got up and testified that she was getting help, that the Lord had, for years she'd been struggling, and she was getting help. Finally, the Lord had gotten her a counselor that was helping her. And someone met her in the back of the church as soon as the service was over and said, you don't need a counselor, you can just need God. She had... She's been trying to serve God for 50 years, and God hasn't delivered her from her mental health illness. She's not had a deliverance. Now, I'm just honoring enough. I would have said, well, brother, I'll, I'll stop seeing the counselor when you quit taking your blood pressure medication. <laughs> I don't know if I would have said that, but I would have wanted to. Not all mental health illnesses are related to spiritual battles or sin. Not any more than some of our physical ailments. And some of our physical ailments are results of sin. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. We don't say to someone that even if, they're, even if they've got lung cancer from years of smoking, we don't say to them, you don't need a doctor, you just need the Lord. We don't say that to them. Why would we say that to others that are struggling with mental health struggles, especially when Paul says to us that we're, our job is not to condemn them, but to comfort them? Wow. Amen. wow. 
Wow. At the next board meeting, the first order of the day is to get a slower clock. <laughs> Miserable thing. Are we going to be people that comfort the feeble-minded? What about those that are weak? Didn't he say that we're supposed to help the weak? Yeah. Do you know what? We don't... We struggle here too, don't we? You know, over there in, the, in Corinthians, Paul tells us that if... If eating meat would offend our brother, because even though they're weaker, we ought to abstain from eating meat. And yet, I don't know how many times I've heard it within the church, people say things like, it's my life, I'll do what I want. There, where, where's the prohibition against this? Well, your brother or sister is struggling. Your brother or sister is struggling. I'll be honest with you, I, if, if someone has told me that they were recovering alcoholic, I wouldn't take them to a restaurant that served alcohol. It would be ridiculous. Is it a sin to eat at a restaurant that serves alcohol? I don't think it is. But I would certainly not suggest taking someone who's struggling with alcoholism there. We're supposed to be careful. And we're supposed to help the weak. There's a lot that we could preach here, isn't there? What about the handicapped? Are they welcome? What about those that... Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> what about those that don't have any training or education on how to handle their finances, and they're, they're just financially, they're always in trouble, and it's their own fault, but it really isn't because they don't know how to do any different. This is what their parents taught them, and they're just following the same patterns. You know, I get real nervous when I hear some Christians talk about those that receive welfare because some of what they say doesn't sound very much like what Paul is saying here. I'm still looking for the songbook. I don't want to get blindsided. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying that, that we do it right in this country. I'm not saying that, that, uh, that, I agree, that we have to agree with the programs and the way that they're done. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying we have a responsibility to those that are weak in these areas. We have a responsibility to them, to help them, to show them different. I'm not getting through this sermon, just so you know. I'm just going to quit after. This is just point number one, building up each other. <laughs> but what about the weak? What about those that are struggling? What about those that, that, what about those that keep stumbling in the same sin over and over and over again? Can we be patient with them? How many times did you have to ask the Lord for forgiveness for the sin that so easily beset you? And some people take care of that privately and some people take care of it publicly. 
Sunday school, we're talking about abortion, and I, I'm thankful for the topic. But do we, are we careful the way we say it? So, what is it? One third of American women will have an abortion by the age of 45. One out of every three women that you would meet have an abortion by the age of 45. You know what? We better be careful how we talk because there may be a woman that is listening to us that only hears condemnation and not that there is a God who is willing to forgive them for what they've done. We better be careful how we talk about it. You say, why do we have to do that? Because they're weak. Because they're weak. And that's our job to build others up. I asked you, I asked you, I said, what are you making? What are you building? And you answered the way that I wanted you to with, with your projects and your art, those things that are so important. And they are important. They're part of the church. I think that they are, I, I really truly believe that God designed us to be creators like him. I didn't expect any of you to, but I hope it's true that we're building up others. That there's someone that we're thinking about that needs encouraging. That might need some education. Say, I don't know what to do. Invite them out to the shop. Teach them how to crochet. Maybe all they need is just to be present with somebody who cares about the Lord and them. I don't think it really matters what we do. I think it's the spirit in which we do it. As Paul is concluding this letter, he's talking about the important things before he comes to the very end of what may be the last time he would speak to them. It wouldn't be, but he wouldn't know that. He says, build each other up. Build each other up. Let's stand together. Amen. Yes. Go ahead, brother. Good, good. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we are the workmanship of your hands. And in two days, we'll start revival. And we hope that you will continue to work on us.